0: If you would, take your Bibles. We're going to be in two passages from the Old Testament. If you'd find your place in Joshua chapter 14, hold that spot and then turn with me to Numbers chapter 13. Joshua 14, Numbers 13. Uh, Tonight I'd like to begin by, by thanking Brother Hudson Uh, for giving me the opportunity to speak here tonight in his absence. Uh, It's not something that I I take lightly. I appreciate it. I appreciate him and his willingness to serve as pastor. Uh, I do encourage you to continue to pray for him and Miss Susie in that role and also in their travels here as they're coming back from Houston after a long week. Uh, Just continue to pray for them. Uh, I would like to say thank you to this church body, to this church family, for allowing me to speak here. And most importantly, I'd like to thank the Lord for allowing me to stand here this evening. Um, God is amazing. God is good. He has been a good God to me. He is always faithful. He is always perfect. He is always right. Uh, He is worthy of every bit of our love, every bit of our submission, every bit of our service. Uh, After seven years of laboring in North Idaho for the Lord, Uh, my family and I were led back here from Idaho, back here to Texas, and I always struggle with saying back home because yes, this is home, in some sense, understanding that, that our home is in glory, but also understanding that, that we left our house, we left you know the job, we left everything when we left, and, and I, I don't begrudge any of it. God, but God is already working and, and is providing a job, and we have a house that's under contract, and he's doing those things there. Um, but what I mean is that he has brought us home here. This is our church home. This is our church family, and, and so we're here. You know, I've been asked, why? Why'd you come Why are you back? What are you doing here? And and honestly, I have to say, I don't know exactly. I mean, that's God's, that's the truth. Uh, Proverbs, continually God brings to my mind in Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding and all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. What that means is is that I don't have to know because I have a God who does and all I have to do is follow after that Lord and, and after my God and he will show me exactly where he wants me to be. So I don't know. But what I can tell you is this, that as the year began, for those who don't know, we, uh, after five years there, we, we closed the doors of Mountain View Baptist Church, uh, and, and it's a difficult situation where I'm not going to get into, but the, we then found ourselves laboring in support of the pastor and the family that that work had called to be their pastor before it all fell apart. Uh, God has used that family and the the work that they are doing there and has seen a church established in the area. They actually were blessed with the prospect of of a property with a building and a parsonage and just amazing circumstances. They're due to close tomorrow. Uh, So pray for them in that. But I began praying about, God, what do you want us to do? What's the direction? Where would you have us go? And I specifically began to pray about coming back to Texas, staying in Idaho, where are we going to be? More specifically... Would you have us come back to Metropolitan? What would you have us do? And, and, and I sought the, pa- the, the counsel of my pastor, Brother Turner. I sought the counsel of Brother Hudson and other godly men and, and just asked them to join me in prayer and, and seeking the Lord's will. And fast forward to the summer, we come back for camp and, and God, God just sealed it for me. Uh, to see the faithfulness and the fellowship, to see the, the, the church working together, the, to see the, the fervency of the prayer going on there, to see the impact and the desire for these young people. God said, this is where you're supposed to be. And so we began to make, I began to make preparation <laughs> on, on uh, how God would direct that. And, and praise the Lord, he, he put it in my family's hearts as well and gave us all peace about it to follow his leading and come back. And uh, as I said, I don't know exactly. I don't know exactly what God's intentions are in, in you know, a ministerial sense, but I, I can tell you emphatically, without a doubt, there are ministry opportunities here in this church. There are needs within this church. If you don't see them, you're not looking. If you don't, if you're not aware of them, you're not asking, you're not paying attention. There are needs, there is work to be done here. And each one of us as Christians are called to serve. We are called to service for the Lord. There is a community around us that needs the gospel. Yesterday, we stood outside for about two hours offering Bibles. And just rough guesstimate, 2,000 or more souls passed by this building. That's just in a two-hour period on one Saturday morning. There's a community that needs the gospel. There is a great commission that we are commanded to obey. There are a lot of empty seats in this auditorium. I I did a, a, a quick estimate on the way in, I think there's just over 300 or so seats in here. That means that we could easily add another hundred souls coming in here and finding rest in the Lord before we even have to begin to worry about or question and say, what are we going to do? Where are we going to fit everybody? There's work to be done. There are empty lives that need Christ. There are souls that are headed for hell without the gospel. There are folks here within the church that need to be discipled. There are are folks here that we all need to be encouraged and brought up and brought along and and given a desire for the things of God. So while I don't know exactly what God is going to have us do as a family and and me as an individual, I'm I'm praying that God would give me discernment on the specifics. But until he does, I I can tell you I'm going to do what I know to do. I'm going to do what I know to do according to the word of God as long as I am able to do it. Uh, James 4.17 says, therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. That means there's a little bit of leeway if you're ignorant of a situation, but when God opens your eyes to something and shows you something and you choose not to participate and not to come along, it's sin, it's rebellion, it's disobedience. So why am I here? I don't know. Other than to say that God called me and I want to follow the Lord. You read the Gospels and you find that, that as Christ is going out in, in his ministry and he comes along the, the shore and he finds some fishermen and he gives them a real simple command. He says, follow me. He comes to that, that tax collector and he says, follow me. Luke nine twenty three. he said to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. John ten twenty seven. my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. John 12, 26, if any man serve me, let him follow me. That is what the word of God commands, is that we are to follow him. So I'm going to do it. God said it, and that settles it. So this evening, my desire is that in the next few minutes uh, that I can offer some encouragement and, and hopefully be a help. But just as much, I'd like to be a challenge, and issue, a challenge to each one of us here to follow the Lord. If you would, in that thought... Hopefully you found your place there in Numbers 13. I'd ask that you stand. we're going to read just a few verses here. Numbers chapter 13, beginning in verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men, that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. Of every tribe of their fathers shall ye send a man, every one a ruler among them. And Moses, by the commandment of the Lord, sent them from the wilderness of Paran. All those men were heads of the children of Israel. Skip down to Verse 17. Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan, said unto them, Get you up this way southward. Go up into the mountain, see the land, what it is. And the people that dwell, dwelleth therein, whether they be strong or weak, few or many, what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad, what cities they be that they dwell in, whether in tents or in strongholds, what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether there be wood therein or not, and be you of good courage, bring of the fruit of the land, now the time was the time of the first ripe grapes. So they went up and searched the land from the wilderness of Zin unto Rahab, and as men come to Hamath. And they ascended by the south and came to Hebron, where Ahiman, Shishai, and Telmai, the children of Enoch, were. Now Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. They came unto the brook of Eshgal and cut down from thence a, bra- a branch with one cluster of grapes. They bare it between two upon a staff, and they brought of the pomegranates and of the figs. The place was called the brook of Eshgal because of the cluster of grapes which the children of Israel cut down from thence. They returned from searching of the land after forty days. They went came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel under the wilderness of Paran and to Kadesh. Brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. They told him and said, We came unto the land whither thou sentest us. Surely it floweth with milk and honey. This is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. Moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. The Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for the opportunity to be here, to look into your word and and to see you. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would do the talking tonight. Lord, I pray that you would bring encouragement, conviction, challenge, comfort to each one of us in whatever way that we each need individually. Lord, I pray that you would bless those who have come here with a desire to hear from you. Lord, I pray that you would be glorified. Don't let me say anything that, that you don't want said, Lord, but help me to speak exactly what you have for these people. Lord, I pray that you... Would be lifted up here tonight, or that you would be pleased in all that's done. Christ's name, I pray, Amen. Amen. You can be seated. This testimony here, as you as you read your Bible, you need to understand that every event, every every chapter, every verse, every word, every individual, every everything that happens, is in there for a purpose. Right. God did not put in fluff. God did not put in filler space. Uh, Paul told us in, in 2 Timothy that, that all scripture is given by inspiration and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That it is all God inspired for our benefit. Peter echoes that when he says that, that prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, uh, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. He says, it is all God's plan, it's all God's word. And it's all for our benefit. So what that means is that God's record here of this man, Caleb, that we just read and what we're going to read in Joshua here in just a minute uh, is it's all for our benefit. We should never look at anything in Scripture and say, well, that no, it's not important. There's always something for us. God u- has used this man's testimony to encourage me time and time again in my walk with Christ. Uh, and, and so tonight I'd like to just share a few thoughts that, again, that I pray would be a help and a challenge to you. Turn with me to Joshua chapter 14. Hold your place in numbers. We're going to come back. But Joshua chapter 14 is actually the passage of scripture that the Lord laid upon my heart seven years ago when when he was prompting us to move to North Idaho. And and very fittingly, he he brought me back. Kind of full circle thing, right? Close the loop. He says in Joshua chapter 14, as we get there, so so let me fill in the the gaps here. So in, in Numbers 13, they've gone out to spy the land. The people rebel, they refuse to go. And God says, okay, now for the next 40 years, you're going to wander through the wilderness until this generation dies off. Then I'll bring you back into the land. He he made Caleb a promise that day. He said, you and your family will inherit this land because of your faithfulness. So now we fast forward that 40 years plus. We get to chapter 14 of Joshua. The the land is being given out by allotment. And it says in... um, Verse 1, Joshua 14, verse 1, these are the countries which the children of Israel inherited in the land of Canaan, which Eleazar the priest, and Joshua the son of Nun, and the heads of the fathers of the tribes of the children of Israel, distributed for inheritance to them. By lot was their inheritance, as the Lord commanded by the hand of Moses for the nine tribes and for the half-tribe. For Moses had given the inheritance of two tribes and a half-tribe on the other side, Jordan, but unto the Levites he gave none inheritance among them. For the children of Joseph were two two tribes, Manasseh and Ephraim. Therefore they gave no part unto the Levites in the land, save the cities to dwell in with their suburbs, for their cattle, for their substance. As the Lord commanded Moses, so the children of Israel did, and they divided the land. Then the children of Judah came unto Joshua and Gilgal and Caleb. The son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God concerning me and thee in Kadesh Barnea? 40 years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to espy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in mine heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. As Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance, and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God." And now, behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said, these forty and five years, ever since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. As yet, I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now, for war both to go out and to come in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake in that day. For thou heardest in that day how the Anakims were there, that the cities were great and fenced. If so be, the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. Joshua blessed him and gave unto Caleb the son of Jephunneh, Hebron, for an inheritance. Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite unto this day. Because that he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. The name of Hebron before was Kirjath Arba, which Arba was a great man among the Anakims, and the land had rest from war. What's Caleb's testimony? We see it there in verse 8, verse 9, and repeat it again for good measure in verse 14. His testimony is of a man who wholly followed the Lord God. May God challenge each one of us this evening to wholly follow the Lord. Holy. When I was a kid, there was a a commercial that would come on for Alka-Seltzer. The guy's rubbing his stomach, and I can't believe I ate the whole thing. You don't have to be a Hebrew scholar to understand what what whole means. It means completely, abundantly. Uh, This word here actually means lacking in nothing to accomplish and to fulfill. He wholly followed the Lord. This man, an imperfect human like you and I, completely followed the Lord. His service to the Lord was lacking in nothing, his surrender to the Lord was complete. He fulfilled his duties. Now that is a testimony and an example to each one of us because what that means is that if Caleb did it, you and I can too. I'm not talking about holy following in the sense of of sinless perfection, but but I'm talking about holy following and, and completely in purpose, in desire, in focus of life. Can I say to you tonight that if you are saved, you have the same resources that Caleb had. In fact, you have even more because you have the whole completed counsel of God. You have the word of God to instruct you in all that you do. You have a a instruction manual, a, a love letter from a perfect God to serve as a lamp and a light as you follow after him. If you're saved, you have the Holy Spirit of God indwelling you. You have the Holy Spirit of God comforting you and correcting you, showing you when you're deviating from his will and his path. You have him correcting you and guiding you back when you're wandering away. You have him there to lead you, but you have to follow. Christian, you can wholly follow the Lord. And you should. In fact, God expects and demands that we would wholly follow him no matter what. And God deserves that we would follow him no matter what. We are to follow God no matter how long the journey. Here in our passage, it's taken Caleb 45 years to get to the end of the mission. Said there in verse 7 that he was 40 years old when Moses sent him to Kadesh Barnea. And then down in verse 10, it says, And now, behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said, these 40 and 5 years. 45 years, Caleb has walked along following after the Lord. Day after day after day. If you use a Jewish calendar reckoning, that's 16,200 days following God. I haven't. Yeah, I've been alive for about that long. 45 years of complete obedience to God's instruction, complete submission and surrender to God's will and God's plan. 45 years of serving the Lord and following Him faithfully, trusting. And obeying. Forty-five years of leaning not unto his own understanding, but following after God. That's an amazing, amazing testimony in itself. But don't miss this. That day at Kadesh Barnea, when, when he went in and spied out the land, that wasn't the first day of service for Caleb. That wasn't the beginning. He was forty years old then. It says his testimony it was. We read it in Numbers that he was already a leader among the people. Read that in Numbers thirteen. His time as a spy and his call to faithfulness when the people balked was really the culmination of everything he had already done at that point in following God. It was evidence of who he already was. See, he had already followed God faithfully out of Egypt. He had already followed God through the Red Sea on dry land. He had already followed God in spying out the land. He had followed God. So what what am I saying? I'm, I'm saying that... His whole life, from the moment that he placed his faith in God and said, yes, I will follow you, he followed him every day. Beginning that first day, in trusting in a God who could and would deliver him, from that moment that he took that first step of obedience in stepping out until his dying day, he wholly followed the Lord. Have you faith, placed your faith in Christ? Are you trusting in his death, burial, and resurrection? Have you, by faith, professed him as your only means of salvation? Have, have you, by faith, now looking and believing that he is and he will give you that gift of eternal life? Then, if so, the expectation is that you would follow. There is no retirement in the walk of faith with the Lord. There is no point in our human lives when we get to say, you know what, I've done, I've done my part. I'm sitting down, somebody else's responsibility. Let somebody else take care of it. There's, there's no point of retirement. Your role may change, but your responsibilities to the Lord never do. Your abilities over time may diminish, but your appetite for spiritual things should never, should never go away. Your, your faculties will wane over time, but your faith in the Lord and your following of him should never falter. You want to know how long we're to follow God? Until he returns or until he calls you home and there is no other option. Until then, we are to follow him and to follow him completely. Jesus Christ said, take up thy cross when you feel like it. Give me five years and you can do what you want. No, he said, take up thy cross daily. I never in scripture have seen a point where he gives a qualifier, where he says, uh, uh, unless you're on vacation or you you get some sick time here, you know, there's no what happens in Vegas time in in Christian walk with with the Lord. It is a daily walk following God until he calls you home, until the journey ends. Let me challenge you this evening. Follow him no matter how long. Follow him because he's worth following. Follow him no matter how long or follow him no matter who else comes along. Look back with me at Numbers 13. Verse 25, it says, they returned from searching of the land after 40 days. They went up, came to Moses, to Aaron, to all the congregation of the children of Israel under the wilderness. So they they give their report. And as we we know, we teach the kids in, in Sunday school, right, about the spies. Ten were bad and two were good. We lay a lot on those 10 spies who said, no, 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 it's too much. We can't do it. We were as grasshoppers in our sight. The the people are giants. We we put a lot on them, but it wasn't just those 10 spies. If you keep going in, in Numbers chapter 14, it says, and all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. All the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron, and the whole congregation said unto them, would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God that we had died in this wilderness? Wherefore hath the Lord brought us into this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should be a prey? Were it not better for us to return into Egypt? They said one to another, Let us make a captain; let us return into Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes. The entire congregation, every single one of them, said, I'm not doing it. I'm not going. Every one of them, with the exception of Caleb, Joshua, Moses, and Aaron, said, I- I'm going my way. I'm not, I'm not going to do it. The entire nation rebelled and refused to follow. That means that Joshua's own family, he was of the tribe of Judah. We saw that he had a father. If you, if you continue reading in, in um, Joshua, you'll, you'll see that he had a brother. He had cousins. He had uncles. He had friends. He had neighbors. He had family, and none of them were following God. None of them were willing to say, yes, I trust the Lord and I, I will do what God expects and what God demands. None of them did it, yet he never allowed their stubbornness to cause him to stumble. Jesus says in Luke fourteen twenty six, if any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. That means that, that nothing and no one should ever come between us and our fellowship of the Lord. He said, I'm going to follow you no matter what. Can, can you imagine the peer pressure? Everyone else is saying, let's do this. And here's Caleb. Miss Haley, this morning we were in, in Sunday school and she made a comment about how humans are, are herd animals. And I started thinking about that. And that, that's, that's true. We, in our unsaved condition, we're like a herd of goats. But when God saves us, you know, we're not a herd anymore. We're not a flock. We're new creatures. We're we're, we're something new. We're not supposed to just follow after that, that, that herd and the herd mentality. We're supposed to follow our shepherd. We're supposed to follow after him. If all the other sheep are wandering away, our attitude should be, well, sorry, guys. I'm following this one. I'm right here with him. But can you imagine? The entire congregation said, we can't do it. We won't do it. Even worse, they said, God can't do it. The entire congregation shouted disapproval. They, they told him, sit down, be quiet. It won't work. You're crazy. They even threatened to kill him. Yet Caleb says, no, he is able. We are able. Let's go. I'm going to follow God. We can't, but God can. God will, but we have to follow. The, the, the old hymn, I've decided to follow Jesus says, though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back, no turning back. We sing the song, but do we live the song? See, the majority of people refused, yet he wholly followed the Lord. <clears throat> That's an amazing testimony. Makes me question: What's mine? What's yours? And I would like to, to restate what I just said about the majority, because uh, in reality, one person plus God—that that is the majority. Amen. You are never wrong when you follow God. If you're actually—if you're following the crowd, most of the time you're going the wrong way. Follow God. Let me challenge you to follow God no matter how long and no matter who else comes and also no matter what difficulties are along the way. Caleb was a slave in Egypt. You may not know this, but the Egyptians were not super excited about them leaving. They they were laborers for them. They did stuff. Pharaoh actually sent an army after him. He had to face the prospect of being hunted down and killed by Pharaoh for following the Lord. Yet he followed. He had to leave behind the, the only world he had ever known He had to head off to a place that he had no idea where it would wind up. He eventually came to the Red Sea and God parted the waters and they stood up as as walls on either side. He had to have faith to follow God down in there and trust that it would never come crashing down on him. He had to walk through a desert for 40 years. Sometimes, where's the water coming from? Where's the food coming from? Yet he followed knowing that God was always able to provide. He walked day by day for that 40 years following. That makes our complaints and our excuses seem pretty, pretty thin, pretty flimsy. No hardship was too great for him to follow. No difficulty was too great for him to waver. Caleb was a man who had to spend 40 years walking right there by beside those brothers and sisters who their disobedience led to all that. Yet he maintained a positive outlook and a, and a correct testimony toward them and toward the Lord. Eventually, when he got there 45 years later, he said, you know what? I'm just as strong now, and God is just as able as he was then, and we're still going to get this done. After all those years of waiting, he still had to fight enemies when he got to the promised land. He still had to drive the people out. Yet, no matter what trials the Lord sent, no matter what difficulties, he wholly followed. Now, that, that convicts me. Because I think about the, the suffering and the anguish that, that Christ endured for me. When I think about what he experienced in order to make a way of salvation for me in submitting his will to the will of the Father, it puts things in perspective when I say, I'm not sure I want to do it. Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow steps. Let me encourage you this evening, wholly follow the Lord no matter how long, no matter who else, no matter what difficulties, and no matter where he leads. And that really dovetails into what I've already said. God took Caleb from Egypt through the Red Sea into the wilderness. And he was able to go into the promised land and to experience it, to see it, to touch the grapes, the figs, the pomegranates, to be a part of it, to see the harvest. And he was ready. He's ready for the victory. He said, let's go. Let's get it done. Then he had to step back and take 40 years in the desert before returning to that place where he still had to fight the enemy. Yet he followed wherever God led. Too often in our Christian lives, we say, Lord, I surrender. Oh, you want me to go there? Lord, I'll do whatever you want as long as I'm not in the choir. God, I I, I give you everything I have as long as it doesn't interfere with hunting season. I'll do whatever it takes. We intend to follow, we start to follow. We, we, we go along with God and things are growing great and we, we get a victory and we say, oh, here's where we're headed. This is, this is it. That's where it's going to go. And God says, no, roadblock, detour. I'm going to send you this way now. And we say, ooh, maybe I missed it. Maybe that isn't what God meant. Maybe, maybe, maybe I don't really mean all of this. Yet we're to wholly follow God. God led Caleb in some directions that he never imagined. Through some trials that he never could have anticipated. Uh, yet he wholly followed the Lord. Again, that word holy means completely, fulfilled, abundantly, and lacking nothing. That means he did it all with a right attitude. He didn't just do it, but he did it with a right heart. You see, he could have done all those things and grumbled and complained and murmured and, and, and even gotten prideful. You know, I'm the only one who followed God. I was the only one who had faith. He could have done all those things, but no, he didn't. He had a right heart. He wholly followed God. You know, the Pharisees were great doers. Uh, Jesus, in in one of his times of saying woe unto them, he he gets on to him and he says, you tithe mint and rue and all these herbs, which we are to do, we are to tithe. But he says, but there's no love. You're not doing it with the right attitude and the right heart. Let me me challenge you and remind you this evening that we are to be doers, but in order to wholly follow as we do, we need to do it with the right spirit. We need to do it out, out of love, compassion, no matter how long, no matter who else, no matter what challenges, no matter where he leads, we are to follow. Now I said, I hope to encourage you tonight. I don't know that I, that, that is all that encouraging. I hope it is challenging. But I do want to give you three quick things to help you as, you as you and I strive for that testimony as we seek to wholly follow the Lord. How did Caleb do it? More importantly, how can I do it? How can you do it? And honestly, these are things that we should all know as Christians. We just need that reminder from time to time. If we're going to do that, if we're going to wholly follow the Lord, we need to daily, as we follow him, remember his power. There's, there's a word that we use a lot of times to describe the power of the Lord. We say he's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. But we, we, we say it, but do we really ever comprehend that, right? There, there's nothing beyond the ability of God. He spoke everything into existence from Nothing. And then we doubt his ability to see us through a day. it ought to encourage you to know that that no matter how long you live, no matter what everybody else does, no matter what you face, no matter where you go, no matter what is going on, God is in control of the situation. There is nothing and nowhere outside of his awareness. There's nothing outside of his abilities. God has the power to keep you and to protect you. God has the ability to meet your every need. And even more, he delights in doing so. In those times and situations where we find ourselves saying, I can't do this, that's when we need to remember God can. How can you wholly follow the Lord, remember his power? See, Caleb could go through his life, 40 years in the desert, thinking back on that day that, that you know, I saw God turn the river to blood. I saw God send a plague of flies I saw God divide the land in in pitch black darkness from that land of light. I saw God separate the sea and I walked through on dry land. I I saw God rain manna from heaven. I saw God bring water from a rock. I saw God do miracle after miracle in my life. He could look back on a night and remember when God passed through the land and, and brought death upon every house that was not covered in the blood. He could remember the day that God delivered him and that how by the power of God, he had been brought from death unto life. That enabled him to wholly follow the Lord. Paul says in Corinthians that Christ, the power and the wisdom of God. How do you do it? Remember Christ. Remember Christ in all things. Remember him in everything that you do. Remember that if you are saved, you have been brought from death unto life. That that if you are are a a blood-bought, born-again child of God, he will keep you forever. He has the power. If you have heard and you have believed, you have eternal life. Is there anything too hard for God? Remember the power of God, and it makes it a lot easier to wholly follow him. Remember the presence of God. Deuteronomy 31, 6 says, Be strong and of good courage, fear not, nor be afraid of them, for the Lord thy God, he it is that doth go with thee, he will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Job thirty-four twenty-one: For his eyes are upon the ways of man, and he seeth all his going. Hebrews 13, 5, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And Christ himself, in, in John 12, 26, if any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. No matter where Caleb went, no matter what he faced, no matter who abandoned him along the way, he could always remember God was right there. He could always remember that God was aware of what was going on, and he could always remember that God cared. By extension, that applies to us, Christians, church. You are never alone in this life if you are in Christ. He is right there with you in every circumstance. And if you want to be wholly equipped to follow the Lord, then you need to remember his presence. You need to remember his power and his presence and remember the promises of God. See, Caleb was given a promise that day when the people rebelled and said, we're not going to do it. And God issued his judgment on him. He said, but don't worry, Caleb, because one day... One day you're going to get that mountain. One day you're going to get Hebron. One day you'll have this land. You have a promised destination. And, and the Lord is not slack concerning his promises. He always keeps his word. That means that Caleb for the next 45 years could go through day after day remembering, I know where I'm going. I know what I'm doing. I know what God has for me and take that next step. He was promised Hebron. That's a city in the mountains there where, where David began his reign as, as king all those years later. There were days when he may have been able to see that area and look and say, that's going to be mine one day. I'm going. But for the most part, I I believe that he had to walk with just that picture in his mind. Walking by faith, trusting and remembering what God had said. Walking in faith and, and trusting in that gift of that final destination. Christian, God has made you some promises. We need to read them. We need to embrace them. We need to hide them in our hearts. We have a promised destination. Remember where you are going. And just as importantly, remember what he saved you from. Remember that place that he has promised you and and that he has gone to prepare for you. Makes it a whole lot easier to endure this place here. Remember the promise that one day the work here will be over. One day we'll see him face to face. That remember that one day, that, that no matter how difficult this life is, we have eternal life with him. And one day we'll, there will be no tears, no sorrow. There will be nothing but joy and fellowship and rejoicing. We need to remember that, that he came not just to give us life, but to give it more abundantly. We need to remember that he promised never to leave us nor forsake us in this life. Remember that he promised to keep us. Remember the, the promises that are found in his word, but that means we need to get into his word. We need to to learn them and recite them to ourselves and and remember them in those dark days. And, And it makes that journey a whole lot easier. No matter how long, no matter who else, no matter what difficulties, no matter where he leads, if we'll remember his power, his presence, his promises, then just like Caleb, your testimony... When God speaks of your life, and that's really all that matters, it doesn't matter what other people say about you. When when you stand before God and He speaks of your life and He shares your testimony with others, he'll be able to honestly say, Brother Daniel, he, he wholly followed me. She wholly followed me. Want to be pleasing to our Lord. Christ commanded us to follow him, so we should do it. And if we're going to do something for Christ, we should do it wholeheartedly completely lacking in nothing so what that means is if we're going to follow then we need to purpose to wholly follow him i hope that helps you this evening i hope that that encourages you and i hope it challenges you we need to wholly follow the lord i'm going to ask brother john to come and heads bowed and eyes closed i'd like to ask a couple questions this evening plain and simple are you following the lord Are you wholly following the Lord? Does your life, do do your actions demonstrate, not just your actions, but your attitude, does it demonstrate that you're completely, wholly following the Lord? If you can honestly say, yes, my life is a testimony of complete obedience, surrender, and following in all areas. I'm going to ask, all heads bowed, all eyes closed, would you slip your hand up? If you can can honestly say that, that you've surrendered completely to the Lord, would you slip your hand? Thank you. You can put your hands down. If you are, and I'll tell you, there's not many. If you are, then praise God. I'd encourage you to help find somebody and help them along the way. And I challenge you to pray that God keep you on that path. But if you aren't, if you can't honestly say that, then let me encourage you today. Pray and ask God to give you a right attitude. Ask God to use your life that, that you would finally surrender every aspect of it step out by faith and follow him. God will meet you where you are, but he expects you to come along. If you're here and you'd say that my testimony is not all it could be, but I want to follow the Lord. I want to have that testimony. There's areas of my life that aren't what they should be, but I want to get that right. Would you slip your hand up? Amen. Hands everywhere. You can put your hands down. Maybe you're here and you say, look, I don't really understand half of what you just said. This is all new to me. I've never surrendered anything. I've never trusted him. Holy Spirit's never convicted me of anything. I'm not sure I'm following him at all. I'm not sure I'm his. I'm not sure I understand. If that's you, if the Holy Spirit is prodding your heart right now, would would you slip your hand up? I'm I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to. If God, if that's you, would in a moment when we have an invitation, would you come forward and see from Scripture what it means to be saved? how you can know salvation that only comes through the the faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, his shed blood at Calvary. If you'll come, someone will take your hand, and someone will show you, take as much time as we need, answer your questions so you can know for sure, and then you can begin to follow the Lord. And pray, and then we'll stand. And as Brother Davidson sings, let me challenge everyone here. Let the Lord have his way in your life. Not tomorrow, not someday, but right here and right now. When Brother Davidson sings, I'd ask that you find a place and do business with God, follow his leading, and wholly follow him. Father, I thank you again for the opportunity to be here. I thank you, Lord, for the testimonies that you provided as examples to us, Lord. The reminder that if if Caleb could follow you and Joshua could follow you and, and these others could live for you, Lord, then there's no reason why we can't. We have even greater knowledge and greater understanding. We've experienced even more than they have, Lord. So we are without excuse. Lord, for those who who say they are sold out for you, they're surrendered, God, I pray that you would just help them to seek ways to bring others along, to encourage them, to disciple them, to to train them up. Lord, the vast majority of us say, no, I I still got things I got to work on. I've got things I got to take care of. So Lord, I pray that today, We would just lay all those things at your feet. That we would finally surrender for whatever it is you have for us, Lord. That we would truly, completely, wholly follow you. Lord, if there's anyone here who does not know you as their Savior, God, I pray that you would give them no peace, give them no ability to settle or forget until they are stirred to the point of salvation. Lord, I pray that you would impress upon them their need. And God, I pray that you would show them your love. Lord, that they would know the joy of salvation. Lord, there's needs all around this room, and, and you know each one of us. You know our hearts. You know where we are. So, God, I pray that you would speak to us now. Pray that your will would be done. In Christ's name. Amen. So I'll stand.
1: Page 155.
0: The altar is open.
1: Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way.
0: Thank there you again you for being here this evening. Thank you for allowing me the opportunity to speak to you this evening. Um, at this point, brother, I'm going to turn it back over to you and take it from you. Thank you, sir.
1: Horse, open my eyes, Lord. Open <coughs> my.